Darling, I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb. And it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Personally, I really enjoy staying at Airbnbs. I really do. I love a good Airbnb. Who is that? Come back, British you. And it really is a great way to like support local economy and support local people. So Airbnb is fabulous. And I know I was doing my British voice earlier, but we love Airbnb. So think about what you could do with some extra cash. Whether you're looking to treat yourself to something nice, like a shopping spree or a spa day, or start a whole side hustle, Airbnb can help you be that person. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's face it. I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, it's Jonathan Van Ness. Americans United for Separation of Church and State defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose, so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms like abortion rights, marriage equality, public education, and even American democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs. Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU at au.org slash curious. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Vaness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, I'm curious about relationships and what we should think about before committing to one, which is why I spoke with Dr. Stan Tatkin, author of the new book, We Do, and asked, is there a one or does everyone just suck? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm so excited to welcome back to the podcast, Stan Tatkin, author, writer, extraordinaire. What's like your, like not COPD because that's chronic obstruction pulmonary disorder, but but what are your gorgeous, you got, you got titles of plenty in therapy. I, you know what? I collect them and trade them. Yeah, but like, but you got like seventeen. Like, what's like the highlights? I, I which title? It's like C S S C P R certified. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you spent some time in school. 
I did. You're, you're a smarty I pants. I you also invented packed therapy, which is a psychobiological approach to couples therapy. Very good. Um, and you know, you're very smart. You you coined so many smart things. We had you once on the podcast before, yes. where we talked about Wired for Love. Uh, you're Wired for Love, Wired for Dating, and this is your brain on love. Yes, which are two books and your one audio book. Yep. we love so much. Huge mm-hmm. fans. Um, quickly. Yes. What's that wave anchor and island thing again? Is that the same category when we're talking about, it's like island wave anchor or did I like cross no, two? No, that's good. I, yes. That, that All that has to do uh, is with security or insecurity at childhood and adulthood. So security means that you and I feel that we can interdepend on each other. We can trust each other with our lives. Uh, we don't feel anxious about being too close. We don't anx- feel anxious about being too far away. And we're basically autonomous. Anything other than that is insecure. Autonomous. Autonomous. Autonomous is like, I'm an autonomous country. You cannot tell me what to, right? What's autonomous mean again? Autonomous means we're free thinking, we're separate mindedness, and we're able to work together collaboratively and cooperatively without stepping on each other's toes, without apologizing. So autonomy doesn't mean like fiercely independent. No. Actually, so like, yeah, because I feel like I always hear autonomy in, in reference to like a nation or something, Right. Uh, but yeah, I love it in a therapeutic way. Right. It's more like it, it doesn't necessarily have this like fierce independence. It's like an interdependence that it it's indicates. An interdependence, exactly. That's and, interesting. Yeah, think of it as a two-person system instead of a one-person system. People who are insecure tend to operate in a one-person system. Good for me. And if it's not good for you, then sorry about that. So it sounds like someone I know who's currently the leader of the free world. Um, yes, so, absolutely. So basically, you were one of our very first guests and you know you've been – you are just a, like, you're a therapist who, you specialize with couples, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and you're into pink, no, not that canyon. Where are you again? Oh, no, I'm in uh, Calabasas. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. you, I imagined you yeah. always like in the valley. So, you're up there, you're, you know, you're, we're doing relational therapy. Right. You, you're doing your best. And then, and now, and now we have this gorgeous new, we have this gorgeous new book. We what and what because that's really what you've been working on since we, we do yeah and is this did this just come out it just came out December first ah you are on the press circle honey you're on the press junket you're doing the most <laughs> so what's happening and we do what's happened since we checked in what we do is more comprehensive than the other books this is a pre commitment book. Uh, I want to help people avoid the things that I see in my office, in my clinic. People 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line. And so Just many Just mad as fuck at each other? Mad as fuck as each, at each other and doing all the things that will get them there. And so this is hopefully something that two people can sit down and take a look at and spare themselves, hopefully, years of unhappiness, but also assure each other years of secure functioning. So it's called We Do because we're trying to move away from I-ism, me-ism to we-ism. And we're not the only ones that are doing this. We're part of also uh, a group of other couple experts who believe the same thing. We're trying to change the culture. So this is We Do instead of I Do. What about love? Yeah. I think, I can't remember if we talked about this. I should have listened to our episode again before I had you back here. I shouldn't have busted myself out like that. But what about, I know that you are not a proponent of open relationships. What about, right? Well, is that fair to say? I, you know, if both people agree and they can argue why it's a good idea for themselves and for each other, then fine. Is it fair to say in your experience? Because in my therapist experience, I think I can say this because she's told me this. She's never seen it, quote, like work out long term. 
I haven't either. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause it's like, it, it eventually like your, your primary relationship is going to feel threatened by something at some point, And it's like, it's just not a typical recipe for success on the flip coin of that. I know that our last podcast, you taught me the term bipedal, like we're bipedal creatures or whatever. Uh, so what about this sex in the city syndrome of like really wanting to like, you know, find your person. And I love how you talk about that. Everyone's kind of a burden and everyone's kind of a pain in the ass. And if you trick, if you trade one off for like another, at the end of the day, like they may have a nervous system that's better equipped for you, but at the end of the day, someone is going to be a pain in the ass no matter what. Cause that's just what lifelong commitment is going to be. Um, but is there, like, are we penguins or are we those monkeys who F everyone? Like, are, like, can't, because I have this friend who was telling me that his requirements for a boyfriend are come with me to functions and don't make my life worse. And uh-huh. that's why he's single. Because uh-huh. of all these gays out there, he cannot find someone to come to all the functions and not make his life worse. And I got to say... I think there's something to that, you know? I think that's a that's a healthy bar, you yeah. know? And so well, does I everybody think, I, suck, Stan? I, I think Is it possible? <laughs> it is the agreement. I mean, if you and I get together, our agreement is we're gonna make our lives easier inside our relationship than the world outside. Because what's the point? Uh, you know, we have a job to do, we have each other's backs, we're taking care of each other, we're protecting each other from each other and everybody else. And if we're not doing that and we're too difficult, then uh, it's time to get a dog or a chia pet or a semen. Until you get into, because like, is there, you know, because I feel like in people's relationships, like there's seasons in your life where you have more time to give than other times. Like and this season, you mean? No. Ju- no, like not literally in the year, like seasons of your life. Right. Like if there's a different new job or there's some shift in pressure in your life that like maybe when you got together with someone, you had more time to to more of a slice of your cake to give the relationship. And then as like, you know, pressures change in your relationship and all of a sudden like that quarter of the cake is now like, you know, a 16th of your cake. Like can the other partner in that relationship like be aware enough to like, to make that okay. Cause like it, whether it was like your job or like a parent dying or whatever that made you less available, like can you're I'm really a little stuck on the cake. Cause I'm doing intermittent fasting. And oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I'm so I, sorry. My mind just completely drifted. Um, 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 uh, a, a wedge of your liver. Could you two, use liver? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Liver. Yes. Your okay. two dimensional like liver okay. piece that you have to give. Got it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so it's, uh, it's hard to navigate those things. Relationships are hard. Relationships shouldn't and that's my whole point if you're doing it correctly it's not supposed to be hard it's not supposed to be hard work because both people are committed to everyone's difficult but not being too difficult and that's the key that we're stakeholders in this you know uh, we can make our lives very hard and life will pass us by or we can agree to do things to make life easier and when you do that and you really do it well you have more resources to be creative to do more to develop to grow to be more successful that's when you're in a secure functioning relationship absolutely yeah you've never met tracy you should meet tracy tracy that's your secure functioning relationship that's my secure functioning relationship partner and we've and you guys have been together for abs for a long time well we've known each other since junior high and high school but we weren't an item then we weren't until you weren't an item i had a crush on her oh but we weren't together though what do you think is i stalked her for a number of years and uh uh, but you were you know persistence pays off patience is key you know um 
So what do you think in your experience of being a, you know, this expert in couples therapy and, and relational work, yeah. what are the biggest, um, what are the biggest pieces of like misinformation that we come, that we come into, into relationships that like cause them to fail? Well, that attraction is really the big deal. That uh, that love, particularly the early stages of romantic love, is what's going to make us uh, live together forever. That uh, having the same things in common mean very much. Uh, that we have to understand that w- the reason to get together is that we help each other survive this life and to thrive. It's like being in the foxhole together. You know, we're, we're either working together as a two-person system or we're working against each other, which is making life harder. Uh, that's not the point. The point is radical loyalty. The, the point is that we're doing things for each other. And by the way, because people are burdensome, we're doing things for each other that nobody wants to do unless they get paid a lot of money. And so that is the quid pro quo. You know, we're equal pain in the asses and we're doing things for each other because it makes our life easier and it helps us to trust each other with our lives. And that's really key. That's a kind of love that a lot of people do not ever experience. That's from, that's earned. It's a daily exhibition, you know, showing demonstration of fealty. And that's what we're trying to get across to people. Other people know this. Fealty. Loyalty. You know, um, we have lots of people who are on the street, uh, you know, couples and they're homeless and they are secure functioning. They understand that they have to protect each other. Wow. You work with, you work with homeless couples. We've had homeless couples. We've had people who are mentally ill. Um, We've had people who are personality disorders and not nice people. But they too, when they understand that their lives are at stake here, they learn how to play well together. Otherwise, they're not going to do well in life. So th- this is a well-known thing about human beings. You know, put you put two people who don't like each other on an island, they either kill each other or they learn to work together. Um, this is a survival reality issue. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where we are not having bullets fly over our head. We're not uh, in danger, although we could be. And so we sit and we have lots of time to think about whether we, we are with our um, you know, soulmate, rather than to uh, grow up and to be adults and to learn to work together uh, in a sense that the way all societies have, um, uh, according to principles that we believe in, uh, right? You know, we, you, you and I believe in principles that serve a personal good and a mutual good, and we decide to stick to that because it protects us from each other. I mean, people want to understand that human primates are basically warlike, selfish, self-centered, aware of what isn't here, what I don't have, comparing this person to that person. We're xenophobic. Uh, you know, we're moody. And as we move through time. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm none of those things. I'm actually, I'm none of those things. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm, that's great. I'm probably all those things, actually. That's great. No, it's wonderful. Actually, that I feel like I'm not xenophobic. I'm like really into like, I'm, 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 I think I'm more like white people phobic than xenophobic, <laughs> but maybe that is xenophobic. Yeah, I'm xenophobic of like hardcore ardent Trump supporters. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I am. Yeah. I can take responsibility. So, but anyway, yes, keep going. Well, I could get started on that whole <laughs> issue. No, but, but yes, yeah, so, but it's like we, <clears throat> we are by nature, it's that whole thing We're of animals. like, if you give someone a great haircut, they won't tell one person. But if you give the person a bad haircut, they're going to tell 17,000 people. Like we're acutely aware of what we don't have. What we don't have. Yeah. The brain is kind of, it can be easier to focus on what is not than what is. What is right. And so I, I feel what you're saying. And so this is being in a secure functioning relationship 
can be a matter of, of survival in the sense that if you think that like, you know, cancer can be so stress-based, if like you're constantly in a, if you're addicted to a dramatic relationship, if you're addicted to an insecure functioning relationship, which honey, I sat next to this lady on the plane the other day yeah. that was addicted to this really long running, like 15 year, like um, really toxic relationship. And within like six, 15 minutes of being in the plane, like, I had seen more than I ever needed to see yeah. like from a hidden camera that she had put in her house. Honey. And oh, yes, really? yes, honey. Cause she was so dis- Yes. And yes. And she and, showed you all the video. Yes. Wow. I was like, but I was finding my patience and compassion from deep, deep, deep within because I'm like my mother's son. Oh my God, you guys, <laughs> two seconds. We'll be right back with more getting curious after this. Let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money. Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous, like two bedroom suite instead of a one bedroom suite? So you're like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room. So you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your, your guys's room. Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're like me, the threat of fascism is weighing on you this year. But even when the F word is uttered, way too few of us are considering the full scope of the danger, let alone how to really stop it. The Refuse Fascism podcast hosted by Sam Goldman names it, dissects it, and connects in-depth analysis of what fascism is with the understanding and urgency we need to defeat it. And she is joined by great guests to discuss the threat of civil war, attacks on abortion rights and trans rights, Trump and the theocrats, Project 2025, efforts to erase history and critical thinking, and much more. Check out recent episodes featuring Kathleen Ballou, Jeff Charlotte, Sarah Posner, Wajahat Ali, Dahlia Lithwick, and many more. Subscribe to the Refuse Fascism podcast on your listening platform of choice or go to refusefascism.org slash podcast. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. So I do feel like I've seen this thing. I've had friends. I've had people where I've witnessed like someone can be kind of addicted to an insecure functioning relationship. Yes. Because if you do think of our brains like a like a um, pharmacy, you know, like you got that endorphin, you got the oxytocin, you got the testosterone, you got the, the uh, vasopressin and the vasopressin, as- yeah. as- Estrogen, oxygen, all that stuff. But it's like people can get when they get in fights and then they make up like that can that can be a process addiction of like being addicted to like the drama of a bad relationship. But if you think about, you know, so much illness can be induced from an accumulation of stress, like being in an unhealthy relationship can't really be bad for you. It can be problematic for your health. It can be problematic for your livelihood. It can be it's it really can be because it's like I, I feel like I could hear 
some people in my head maybe roll their eyes at not your work, but just mm-hmm. that the idea of like, oh, this is really life and death, but it, it really can be. Right. It, like that is, it really, like you can use a, a secure functioning relationship to make your life like absolutely gorgeous and, yes. and bulletproof to to an extent. And then also, and then also not. Like, also not, right. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's this grant study. It's a Harvard study, longest running longitudinal study of, uh, of, of human beings, uh, to determine what determines happiness, health, and longevity. And the, it's still going on. And the single, the single obvious, uh, uh, go to point of this grant study is that having us at least one secure functioning relationship will, keep you alive will you know make you healthier now having more than those more than that is good so having relationships that are healthy interdependent you can trust the other person with your life great however if you are alone that can kill you sooner you can get very sick mentally ill physically sick and um if you're in a terrible relationship uh where there's a lot of uh acrimony a lot of uh disdain or uh contempt that'll kill you sooner also so interpersonal stress is one of the the most uh corrosive kinds of stress which is why we're talking about people working together social contract theory being fair being just mutually sensitive. This protects me and you. Uh, it protects you from me as well. And so this is a kind of uh, think that where people understand that you either work together or you suffer the consequences. I think of couples as a three-legged potato sack race. I don't know if you've ever done that. Before. Yes. Um, if one of you goes too fast, you both fall. If one of you goes in the other direction, uh, you don't go anywhere. And so that is, in fact, psychobiologically, the, the makeup of a primary attachment relationship, you and your partner, me and my partner. Um, that is what we are biologically. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to suffer. There's just no question about it. The, um, if you are unfair too much, if uh, you are insensitive too much, you will accrue a sense of threat, which becomes biological. That you will also pay for. So th- this is just about being smart. This is, um, um, you know, reasonable, logical. We can think this through and we understand it. The thing is doing it on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, and unfortunately, in our culture, we don't have this ethic, this idea of interdependency. We still have the idea of radical independence. We pray to the altar of autonomy, or we, you know, complain that we're codependent, which is bullshit. Um, we're talking about working together, and that's exactly, I think, what people are afraid of right now. That do you we- think there's also a sense of like disposability? Like, I do feel like it, like is like thank you next syndrome very much. Yes, that interchangeability. You mean. Uh, uh, again, uh, at some point, the chickens come home to roost. At some point, we regret the things that, you know, are dead soldiers, the things that we did, that we hurt other people. In the end, all that matters uh, is our relationships. It is actually, not to sound, uh, you know, uh, silly, but it is in the end about love. It is in, uh, in the end about our, our connections, our interactions, our relationships. And, uh, and that is going to be an issue, uh, no matter who you are, eventually. So why not do it now? Uh, why regret? There are ways to work together. They're not new. Uh, this is what religion was for. This is what the Ten Commandments were. It was to get people to stop killing each other and to stop coveting each other's neighbors and stuff like that. So it's basically control of our uh, our basic animal nature, which is to be 
like I said, warlike. We have a brain that is that has a negativity bias. Uh, in the absence of anything, we go negative. If I don't know what you're doing and how you're expressing yourself to me, if you are still faced, I imagine you're thinking terrible things about me. That's how our brains work. So it's very easy to go to war. And unless people understand how to work together in this two-person system, even in your love relationship, uh, it's going to eventually uh, cause a problem if you are too unfair, too unjust, too insensitive, and not collaborative, not cooperative. And those traits go across relationships, just from romantic relationships to like professional, parental, yes. fam- familial, like being too unfair, too unjust, like those apply to like all of your relationships. All your relationships. But we think of the couple as the smallest unit of a society. So we start there. And uh, if the couple is is good and they're treating each other well, they're well-resourced, they tend to be better people. They tend to be nicer people, better neighbors, better parents. So we're starting there with the couple. Um, I think that's really fascinating that, you know, you could have an insecure functioning relationship and a secure functioning relationship with, say, like a boss, a cousin, a neighbor, whatever. Like it doesn't, it's not necessarily like a romantic sort of love. So when you take your, um, your past research and your past experiences writing, you know, your first couple books and now with We Do, without giving away, you know, I want people to still buy your book. So without, you know, selling them the whole house, can you give them a quick little tour of like the kitchen, the gorgeous sunroom? Yes. Like what are some of those deeper insights that we're gaining in We Do that we haven't had before? For. And we do, um, I'm talking about deal breakers, knowing what they are from the very beginning. You know, there's a, an issue, again, with human beings. You know, you, you want children. I never wanted children. I hate children. You love children. You always had to have children. And then we look at the abyss and we go, let's buy a house. That's the way we roll. We kick the can down the road. So deal breakers right from the beginning have to be taken off the table. Uh, in the book, now going into sex, sexual function, sexual problems that people have, step parents, step families. This is more the norm. Um, how to uh, move through time, how to have a shared vision, how to have a shared purpose. Uh, couples should have a reason to be. Um, most people, if you ask them, why are you a couple? What's the point of you? They don't have an answer. Or they say something, well, you know, we're attracted to each other, which is going to last a good hot minute. Or we have the same thing in common, which is also going to last a good hot minute. There is nothing really in the long run that's binding them together uh, where they are pointing in the same direction. So this book is really about getting people to think, getting people to plan. There are worse things than losing your partner, and that it would be being in a miserable relationship for 20 years. Um, and so if you can do this and you can be preemptive, please, by all means, do. And that's why I wrote We Do. So which is basically it's like if you – feel like you're in a boiling pot of water with no ability to like get out of that bowl of water. Yes, get out, get out now, but also, you know. Or maybe you could work through it after you read the book. If you have a deal breaker, all that you have to do, which is, sounds like a big tall order, is take it off the table for good. That means both people have to be very honest. It cannot come back to bite anybody. So if you're going to do this, you have to agree. You have to agree like two adults so that you But what happens if you both agree on the deal breaker and then a year or two later it comes back and then like the and one of the persons committed the deal breaker? Uh, that could be considered a betrayal or it could be considered plain moving through life together and things changed. Now I do want to have children and you don't. 
Okay, now we're going to have a sit down. But what is the most, the most important thing? You know, in, in the book, I, I tell people that, you know, if they want to sleep with goats, that's fine as long as they're a, of age. Um, <laughs> and and, and, as and long the goats like able, able to speak English and consent, which, uh, honey, I don't think it ever can. So I'm, my, my jury's out on that poor goat, honey. Okay, uh, so so then you wouldn't do it. That's great. Because it's like if you're a goat and like Louis C.K. or someone nasty, it's like, I don't want to see you, Louis, get away. I don't <laughs> want, I am not able, I, I guess I could kick my hoof in your balls and your face, Louis C.K., but lay the animals that, that, alone. That's if you masturbate in front of the goat. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, he, here's the thing. He's it, so it, rude, that Louis C.K. I know. Stop doing, st- you made $52 million in 2017. Like, let other comedians shine. No one wants to hear from you, queen. Bye. <laughs> No, that's really the thing. There's enough comedians that like haven't sexually assaulted, like literal, right? You know, like it's like I mean, <laughs> fuck, you know. Oh, uh, uh, oh, really quick, you guys. I sorry, I worked up a sweat talking about that. We're gonna take a quick break. You ever own something that inspired you to up your game? We spend so much time in our cars. It's nice to have a car that makes you feel good. It's giving me like, you deserve to take care of yourself, girl. Honey, I just love Alexis because it's giving luxury. It just gives like, nice. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. And the features on this GX, honey? Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Ooh! Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. That's wide! Available multi-terrain select. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. We are here with Stan Tacken. We are talking about his new book. She is called We Do, Saying Yes to a Relationship of Depth, True Connection, and Enduring Love, which is a beautiful title I love. So we were talking about deal breakers and moving through deal breakers. And if something, you know, it could be a betrayal. It could be we're moving through life. My feelings changed. Right. Um, So you're at that sit down. Then what happens? So what I was saying before, my point is that if, if you and I agree on something, um, uh, it doesn't matter whether other people agree. We agree. And it, and I can argue why it serves a personal good and a mutual good. I have to argue why it's a good idea for you to sign on to this side. And you have to do the same with me. If people can do that, fine. But otherwise, I think the best possible uh, uh, idea is to put the relationship first. A lot of people misunderstand what that means. It's not, you know, putting your kids in a closet and putting a bowl of water out for them. It is that we're going to put the relationship first. Everything revolves around us taking good care of each other. Because if we're not good stewards of of our relationship, if we're not good at taking care of each other, everyone's fucked. And so, (laughs) do you understand? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, if we're the smallest unit of a society, we have to operate properly. And plus, we know that kids need to see their parents in love look like they're in love at least. And so, uh, so uh, you know, putting the relationship first helps us adjudicate all these decisions we're going to have to make. Comma. Yeah. Par- kids need to see their parents in love or like not being like the center of their parents' universe, the child themselves, because it sets you up for being like a nightmare. If the, if the kids come first and the relationship, the couple relationship doesn't, that's a little funky. And but what about single parents? 
Well, single parents, uh, you know, do the best they can. It's really nice for their kids at some point to see them in a love relationship. And also, uh, you know, we know that during the, uh, the uh, critical periods of development in the first 18 months, uh, the more interactions a child has with other people, the better. Um, even throughout 24 months, go even longer in the first three years, that the more interactions and the more the child has to deal with sharing that primary parent, the better it is for that child. So to have this unique orbit between mother or father and that child, um, that begins to become problematic because the child is beginning to understand how to lose everything, starting with uh, mother-father, and then move on and to incorporate other relationships. So as long as that person isn't isolated, fine. But you can have couples that are isolated. We call them folie do. These couples that are isolated, they don't have couple friends, they don't go out, they're, uh, they're in danger uh, to be like the Unabomber, you know, uh, writing mm. a manifesto in a cabin with uh, tinfoil. Mm. So um, anybody who is isolated is not well situated in terms of mental health. So a single parent, as long as they're surrounded by a, a, a circle of social support and there's ventilation going in and out, fine. That's fine. Um, but Gorgeous, it, yeah, even. Gorgeous, even. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I would say definitely gorgeous. However, if the parents are not getting along and they're no longer a couple, which is, you know, what it's supposed to be, we're a couple, we're inviting the kid into our party, right? Uh, if that's not the case, then kids will step in and they'll have to do something they're not really supposed to do, and that is take care of one of us, and that sucks. Mm. That's unfair. Yeah. So it's like, don't bring the toxicity of the relationship. Like, or it's like not good to put that on the kid. Uh, no, because kids can sense when parents aren't getting along or when they don't like each other. And now the, now their research resources are tied up because they're going to have to do something to make their parents happier. And that stalls their childhood. So for the person that's listening to this now, that's in an insecure functioning relationship, that's trying to like decide like, what are the, agree like, how does... One, make an insecure functioning relationship secure. It has to be done with the other person. Otherwise, it's the sound of one hand clapping. One person can't just do it alone. And so you, you can be with anybody, doesn't matter how screwed up they are, as long as they're willing to play, as long as, uh, as they're willing to do this, again, as a two-person psychological system. That means that we move in tandem. That means that we broker win-win situations. I don't do anything without you being thumbs up okay. If I want to do something, you go, oh, okay, whatever. Um, that's bad for me. I'll pay for that. So um, I bargain. How about if we do this? I know you hate going to this thing, Jonathan, and I really want you to go because I want to be with you. How about if I, you know, throw this in and and I'll do this for you? Um, no? Okay. How about if I throw in a Ginsu knife? Will that make it better? Uh, I'll do whatever I can to make you uh, feel okay. This way we get to go together. And then I can say, but you can't complain fine. We move. There's nothing to think about. There's nothing to look back on as, uh, to litigate. That's how you move together in lockstep and you do good housekeeping. You move together or you don't move. And that takes a certain idea that this is a team sport, not a solo sport. And when people get the idea of how this works, which is again, nothing new, then they can actually improvise, right? This is not uh, this is not brain uh, surgery. It's not rocket science. It is something we all basically understand, but we just won't do. What, in your experience, 
just like in your work or what do the people say? Like, what are your chances of having like a insecure functioning relationship for like the majority of whatever the length of your relationship is, whether it's been three months, six years, whatever. Like, let's say the majority of whatever the length of time it's been insecure based off of like your idea of, of, of right. relation. Yours, not the couple, but you as a therapist. That's right. In your experience, like what is the possibility of someone being able to take the insecure functioning relationship and make it functioning and have it work out as far as like you still see them together? Uh, like if both of them are willing to play, yeah. like what's, is it like, what's the chances that they're going to end up happy in your experience? It's high. I mean, you can do it. Cause can't both people be willing to play, but still be like, Oh, I just fell out of love with you, but we were still willing to play, but like, I'm just not into it. Yeah. But why did I fall out of love with you? What, what is that? What does that mean? Well, you pissed me off a lot. Well, yeah, I'm pissed. That didn't mean I fall, fell out of love. But I'm a pissed. lot of those over and over and over again. That will be corrosive. And too many, not, too many disruptions and not repairing. Right. Uh, you know, relationships are basically dead when there's indifference. Okay, so Sex in the City. Oh, well, if you guys didn't see this, like you might want to fast forward five minutes, but you saw Sex in the City, right? Can we use Bewitched? I'm from that generation. Oh, my God. Okay, Darren, Sex in the City. Me. Okay, go um, ahead. Samantha and Darren. Okay. Um, last season, first episode, you find out that Darren has been... Darren diddled a neighbor five years Gladys. ago. Yes, Darren diddled Gladys five years ago. It only happened once, but he never told Samantha. Right. And she is livid, devastated. How could you have been holding this, you know, for five years or whatever? They break up. Darren has to move out. Episode two. Then they go to therapy. And basically the therapist is like, you guys have to spend like three weeks apart. You have to spend three weeks apart, and then at the end of the three weeks, you're going to – before you take the three-week break, we're going to determine a place to, like, come together. And if you both meet up at this place, that means that everything is forgiven, and you have to do new agreements to move forward in your secure functioning relationship. So Darren and Samantha come back to the mom, like, the some fantastical bridge in fucking Bewitched, and they decide to move forward with their new agreements, but then, like, four months later – Darren fucks goddamn the other fucking bitch again. Like, right. fucks the neighbor again. Yes. What's that about? Like, he was willing to play, but he fucked up again. So that's what I'm saying. Like, at that point, couldn't Samantha be like, you know what, you You're son fired. of a bitch? You're fucking fired. You're fired. Yeah, because it's about trust. I mean, uh, betrayal is treason, right? In some places, you're killed for that, but it's treason. So the, the damage isn't so much that uh, Darren fucked Gladys. It was the line. That's kind of weird. Um yeah, it's it's the lying, and then on top of that, if that happens, gaslighting. Gaslighting is the worst, right? What's I, gaslighting? Gaslighting is I blamed you for this. I, 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 you know, you're crazy. You need your medication. You know, you need to go to therapy. You're it couldn't paranoid. have been me. Yeah, yeah, it couldn't have been. Yeah. I didn't. You have to believe me. I'll take a polygraph. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so these are things that are hard to come back from because the person has actually proven, given evidence that they're a liar and a cheater. And so that's a whole other thing. The therapist would be, you know, uh, terrible to say, well, you're going to have to break up for three weeks. No, um, this person who did the betrayal is going to have to be on their knees. Um, they're bereft of any, uh, you know, leverage uh, to call anything. They, they're basically the other person's bitch for a while. And that person gets to call the shots. The person who was betrayed. I'm just not even interested in having because you know what I've been I've literally been on both sides of this yeah. and I'm just not even interested in having this cat woman all black outfit where I get to call it because it's fictitious anyway like how many times have you really seen the person who was in the doghouse like really really literally come around and in, in, in that sort of Darren a lot and, really yes really yeah yeah. Really? Yes. As long as the therapist is doing their job and holding their feet to the fire. Stan, I'm going to take this table with these fake candles and I'm going to turn it over. 
<laughs> Are you serious? I'm very serious. Okay, so you've literally seen this with your own eyes. Absolutely. You've yes. seen Darren get it the fuck together. Yes, there's nothing like pain, nothing like death to turn people around. As long as the person who was betrayed does not give up their ground. That's the key. The You know, if you betray me and I say, well, okay, well, whatever, you know, I don't want to lose you. I worry more about abandonment than any principles of secure functioning. Then I kind of get what I deserve. Um, you know, if I stand up and say, you know, you're basically dead, but I'll give you a chance maybe to come back to life. I don't know, but you're going to have to prove things to me and you're going to have to meet my terms, take it or leave it. Then that other person will actually do something unless they don't want to, in which case, no. Or if foul. Samantha's just like I'm over it. I'm raising this kid. My mom's a nightmare, and I don't have time for your shit, Darren. There you go. And you know, now that I think about Bewitch is a bad example because she could just turn her nose and make it all go away. But I think it worked, honestly. <laughs> I you made me go there, and I feel like we made it work. So you don't have to make there it unwork. Or she now. could turn it, it totally into a worked. Goat. It totally worked. So Stan, we've come to that point in our yoga class Aww. where we have we've. We're in our gorgeous class. We're living our lives. What did we not talk about that we need to talk about when it comes to we do when it talk when it comes to relational stuff that you've learned? Like, what do you need to impart on the children for your part due at getting curious? Like, what have we missed that we that we would be bereft of reason if we de- didn't mention? When you make a commitment, it focuses you. Whether it's your career or another person, it focuses you. It disciplines you. It makes you a better person. It, it makes a small thing that you've jumped into. Uh, a whole universe in of itself. When we are constantly jumping from this to that and so on, we're basically untethered. And the whole purpose behind this is to get people to have the experience to take a leap of faith, to learn how to be loyal, how to uh, uh, see something as greater than themselves. In this case, it's the relationship, something that can never be redone again. You and your partner, you created a relationship that's phenomenological. It's like a thumbprint. It cannot be duplicated. Now, if that means something to you, then you're both going to do whatever you can to protect it from yourselves. And that's what this is about. This is about being grown up, accepting that people are a pain in the ass, perfectly imperfect. And if you are both willing to have a shared vision, point in the same direction and hold to this and fuck up, but make up as well, that is perfect. In other words, good enough should be perfect. And that is by agreement. It is uh, understanding that the alternative is not so good. And so we're just going to do this thing. And uh, that's going to deal with pride, uh, hubris, all of that. Uh, You know, you can be right or be in a relationship kind of a thing. And I want people to have that experience. It is not being a doormat. It is not being codependent. It is actually uh, having something that few people have, feeling tethered, and being able to deal with existential fears as you move through time, that's a big deal, and to feel more energetic, to feel like you've got somebody on your side constantly, we're each other's uh, you know, greatest fans, and we're going to do whatever we need to do to ensure each other's happiness and well-being, that's gold. No, that's actually platinum, and that's what I want. And I think that really is a gorgeous way to be able to move through this crazy, unpredictable life, to be able to have that person that is, you know, that you can count on like that, I think is a really beautiful human experience. And I love that you're championing that. And I love that that's what you've dedicated your work to. And Stan, I really appreciate your time and your expertise. And thank you so much for coming back to Getting Curious. And we would love to have you back another time. Thank you. Thank you. you. 
You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Dr. Stan Tacken. You'll find links to Stan's work, new book, and socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN. Our theme music is Street by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. <laughs>